0: Why hello there, it's uh, Chappie, the uh, British butler, welcoming you to another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, that's number 51, it's 51 little mini shows that you've been given, from me to you, for your audio delectation and delight, well maybe not your delight, but uh, it is fantastic to have you here again, Uh, we had one yesterday, uh, so tune in, it's it's been one hell of a week. Uh, you had a more sort of slightly dishevelled version of the Adams family um, descending on the capital on Wednesday. Um, you've got uh, you've got a sort of um, vagrant Viking, um, some very bad beards, um, probably lots of uh, burger and fake cheese stuck in those beards. Um, but this is this is what what we've had this week it's been uh, it's been quite a week a week that uh, we'll never forget um but uh as i as i said um the, these guys are douchebag dingleberries and and I, I got a couple of um notes coming in from uh from the uk and they asked Chappie, can you give me or give us the uh, the definition of a um of a dingleberry okay, and, th- and this is a definition of a dingleberry um, US informal a foolish or inept person and that can refer to a lot of people from Wednesday um, but in the vulgar slang a particle of fecal matter attached to the anal hair of an animal, and these people were animals um, th- there's, no, there's no question or doubt about that but anyway, welcome to the show we've got a fun-packed jam pack show. Um, it's not uh, o- an overly sweet type of jam. It's very fruity, uh, a little cheeky. You won't get the seeds stuck in your teeth. I promise you that. Uh, but but you want to spread it all over yourself, basically. That's the nature of this podcast. um and, and some of the things that we may or may not be uh, talking about today. Uh, again, a question I raised yesterday: How late can I eat old mince pies? Uh, Maggie's picked up a pretty bad uh, habit this year. Maggie the Corgi. Um, How I stop myself from slipping and sliding in icy Colorado. We'll be uh, discussing that as well. Um, And and some of the other things. uh, The woolly rhinoceros. We never covered that yesterday. We must get to the woolly rhinoceros. We have more social dilemmas uh, coming in. People trying to sell me things. um, And um, why I've changed my mind about courage. Uh, here's what people will be wearing in 2021, um, and then uh, and then looking at the new harness that lets military dogs parachute safely. Uh, a man spots a terrible mistake on his girlfriend's resume, and um, my hatred of hard-boiled eggs. Let's uh, let's dig into that today on the show. Uh, Tinto and a tin, darling. Al fresco drinking gives canned wines a boost. The top 10 historical metaphors for Brexit. And what did 2020 smell like? Ask the professors of Pong. We're going to be having more Trump or Trombone. We're taking some of the worst headlines of the week and uh, trying to equate them to a wah, 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 sad trombone or maybe a Trump, uh, i.e. a fart. Um, so that's uh, what we're having as well. We're going to have another enigmatic English eccentric too. And uh, I'm going to introduce you to a, a new feature. A new feature, I tells you um it's it's going podding in the potting shed and that'll be uh making an appearance a little bit later and uh hopefully enjoy that anyway uh frosty the snowman has uh decided to shake his salt shaker today and deposit a load of uh frosty dandruff all over the place i.e. snow uh so uh, trying to warm myself here um i am not bringing uh the uh the uh fire pit in um but uh warming myself on a um on a rather sort of dickensian candle right now and anyway, he so, well make yourself comfortable um put on your put on put on something baggy." Um, maybe uh, maybe one of those zip-up onesies as well with fluff in the inside. That would be rather warm today. And, uh, and make yourself comfortable for the next, uh, oh God knows, how. Uh, maybe an hour or so of the podcast. We'll see how well it goes before I have to cut it off. Okay, so we've got um, lots of Christmas leftovers. I wouldn't still be eating the turkey if I were you. If any of that is still going or any sort of ham or pork belly or anything along those lines. I wouldn't eat that um, but mince pies now the are sort of sealed in a one of those uh, uh, biscuit tins uh, cookie tins whatever you want to call it and um, I, uh, the last time I made them was the 23rd of December now I gave them as a little bit of an egg wash but everything else is probably soaked in brandy the pastry does have butter in it is it still safe to be eating mince pies at this time now um, I um, I, I did uh, so, so yeah I did so I did decide to uh, keep eating them basically so I'm, I'm gonna try well you know what just just hold on for a second I'll, I'll be back in a second I'm just gonna go and get one of these mince pies so just a uh, stone hold for a second I'm returning to my butler nook, where the microphone's set up. Alright, so so mince pie. Alright, let's have a look. So, this is the mince pie. It was made on the 23rd of December. As I said, it's soaked in brandy. So this is sort of the last vestiges of Christmas. You know, unless you want to do the whole mass thing I talked about yesterday. So here. Yeah. Mm. Okay. It's still very crumbly, buttery, brandy laden. It's pretty good. Try to not speak with my mouth full. I'll save that for later, but it still tastes very, very good and quite boozy. So. I think one can eat mince pies past their sell-by date, so to speak. Um, but what I will say is I will not know probably how it's going to affect me until a little bit later on. So um, stay posted. So mince pies are okay, but I wouldn't try a woolly rhinoceros that's 20,000 years old that was defrosted in Russia. The buddy, uh, body of the buddy <laughs> I, I tell you, is all around my mouth right now. The body of a woolly rhinoceros that died at least 20,000 years ago has emerged from the melting permafrost in Russia's Far East. Um, maybe Putin came on horseback, uh, bare chested, with a pulley system, and winched this woolly rhinoceros out of the permafrost. That's what I think happened. It remains are uh, surprisingly undamaged by the passage of time, with several fleshy parts of its carcass. Sounds like it could be a name of a slightly naughty movie. Fleshy parts of the carcass. Completely intact, including parts of the intestines. Oh, delicious. That could reveal its last meal. The juvenile rhinoceros, about three or four years old when it died, is the best preserved of its age ever to be found. As the climate change warms uh, permafrost locals in Siberia, increasingly stumbling across the remains of extinct fauna, such as mammoth, woolly rhinos, and cave lions. Pictures of the uh, juvenile woolly rhinoceros showed it lying on a plastic sheet, its body covered in thick hair. It Could be me in like 20,000 years, I suppose. Um, A local man uh, named in the media as Alexei Savan discovered the animal when its remains fell from the disintegrating banks of a tributary um, in the uh, Yakutia district. It was found in August but only brought to public attention this week. I hope they've had it on ice because you don't want a rotten woolly mammoth stinking up the joint and that would be rather issues there are soft tissues in the back part of the courts possibly sexual organs get your magnifying glass out people Uh, well you probably wouldn't need that with a rhino i imagine this gives a chance to study the excrement which allows us to reconstruct the paleo environment of the period there you go so um it does remind me of um the the search for the mammoth where they pulled it out of the permafrost um you know it took days and weeks and months to get it out of permafrost and then the, the show finished with them winching the mammoth out and you didn't see anything else after that and there were no sort of woolly mammoths part two or anything along that, along those lines it was highly disappointing but i wanted to see you know what, what, what it would reveal the tusks the you know as i said the fleshy parts of the woolly mammoth it never showed me on that program so if they ever make a program about the woolly rhinoceros hopefully they won't leave us wanting more I give up, says mispronounced Earl. The 7th Earl of Harewood may well be turning in his grave, the modern custodians of his estate admit. It's a question of pronunciation, you see. As a decision to give up centuries-old practice of speaking a name uh, in place without the E, Harwood because it caused too much confusion. Getting a taxi from Leeds Station to the Treasure House in the heart of Yorkshire has become too difficult. The eight fellows have accepted that the drivers do not know what you're talking about when you say, Harwood. Lord Harewood said. His agreement to start pronouncing the first syllable as here, in stark contrast to his father, George LaSalle, former Royal Opera House and English uh, National Opera Executive, um, who died in 2011, has been an absolute stickler. Uh, Jay Marriott, director of the trust governing the, the grade one uh, listed house on the grounds, said it's initially been uh, with some trepidation that the present Earl David LaSelle has been approached about his willingness to accept the E and should sound it more often. He said that if you're about uh, in Leeds to hop into a taxi, you should ha- ask uh, Howard, he said. Um, we have done an enormous amount of work to reimagine the country house. And, and, and uh, I have to get everybody pronouncing it correctly um, so she said that while her first encounter with the uh, 7th Earl about 15 years ago had made the dedication of Harwood the 8th uh, said he was relaxed about his new guys it means that the staff as well as the audio guides at Harwood um, and the 18th century house created with the help of Robert Adam uh, and built largely and profits um, would adjust their vocals for the tour groups Lord Harewood has already used his name in public, Miss Marritt says, uh, but it often trip up. I mean, I'm I'm already confused about Howard, Howard here, ha, um, The decorative Richard of the house, with his interiors by Adams, include masterpieces of the Renaissance as well as the Chippendale. Um, Mr. Marrit said the quite radical decision by the Earl to change centuries-old pronunciation was uh, was a was a, was, a, was a, a new found um, confidence. And the Earl and Countess have been incredibly thoughtful over the bold and brave um, of uh, talking openly about history and some of the things that, in history that uh, they were not so proud of. Um, but uh, she said, while in readiness to confront its legacy, predated the resurgence this year, um, and uh, you know some of the parts of history that uh, were less uh, less uh, flattering to the family is important to uh, acknowledge the part that we can't change, uh, but make changes moving forward. Um, But uh, here are some other stately tongue twisters. A party at Belvoir Castle often got the uh, Victorian Albert chairman Nicholas Coleridge a job at Tatler. He came up with a headline, Saturday night uh, beaver, rhyming the Leicestershire seat correctly with fever, where it's pronounced uh, spelt Belvoir. In Hampshire, the uh, village of uh, Bewley with its adjacent palace house has long been pronounced uh, Bewley, truly, uh, no exceptions made for the French. Um, and the uh, Tremondley estate in Cheshire uh, has proven bafflement since uh, Robert Chomdley became the first uh, lord in 1200s, it's, it's pronounced Cholmondeley. And the uh, public pronunciation of Princess Diana's home, Althorp in uh, Nottingham, uh, sorry, Northamptonshire irked uh, the Spencers for years. In 1993, Charles Spencer wrote to the BBC pronouncing uh, pronunciation unit. I didn't know if the BBC had a pronunciation unit blaming public laziness insisting it should be aw-trap. Um There we go. So um, historical pronunciations. Trying to get things in ship shape here. And uh, I'll try better to elocute and um, use uh, all of my mouth when uh, enunciating. And to cap it all, here's what you'll be wearing in 2021. Blame it on Princess Diana and the crown and the models on the runway at Celine. Uh, But the most maligned baseball cap is back in fashion. Not the MAGA baseball cap, not that insipid scarlet red uh, with those infamous words on. That is not back in fashion. Last seen worn uh, in front of teenage boys and for the past four years, obviously on President Trump's followers. That's a reason not to be wearing the baseball cap Probably, It's gained high fashion status because of Diana. At Celine, it comes stamped with a C, a waiting list. Burberry's baseball cap comes in a chic camel color. Prada is made out of black nylon, um, and you wouldn't wear uh, any of them to hide greasy hair on the milk run. The starting price for the designer caps is uh, £260. That's like $300. And it comes with a dry clean only label. Um, But it was a French designer, uh, Heidi uh, Silmar, uh creative director at celine who started it when she sent models down the spring summer 2021 cat work uh, last october they wore baseball caps with every look the dynamania of 2020 helped too emma Corrin, star turning the prince of wales in uh, season four of the crown called a run on signature hats including the baseball caps but here's the thing ladies and gentlemen uh, m- maybe not for the ladies but for the gentle for the mantelpieces um If you wear a baseball cap, it makes you go bald. Look at how many men for years and years who wore baseball caps and it makes them go bald. Because the material doesn't let the hair breathe, darling. That's the problem. If you wear a woolen flat cap, you know, sheep have had wool on their uh, their bodies since the beginning of time. It it breathes. So if you have a, a woolen flat cap, or, God forbid, a baseball cap made out of wool, um, you would let the hair breathe and you wouldn't go bald. If you're cutting off the oxygen to the locks, darling, it's going to be like Samson. You're going to lose your locks. So there we go. There's my little uh, feeling on the whole uh, baseball cap uh, dilemma. So there was a fascinating article by Max Hastings in The Times. uh, Fortitude and selflessness in the face of adversity are far more laudable than anything that happens in the battlefield. Uh, He writes an elderly widow living in Somerset with whom this week sought to commiserate about her loneliness brushed aside. My sympathy won't catch me moaning, she said, with her accustomed robust uh, jollity, uh, because I have absolutely nothing to moan about. She meant that she has health, enough money, a home, a garden she loves, uh, children in good places, uh, like far away. John F. Kennedy wrote a book entitled Profiles in Courage, our 77 year old friend in Somerset deserves a feature in the new version. Most of us change our minds um, about things between cradle and grave, Uh, a significant shift uh, in his own perception concerned the meaning of courage. He grew up in a household in which physical bravery was esteemed by the men, at least we shall consider the woman's view um, as as the highest virtue. but the family had achieved a collective tally of three military crosses in, uh, in the two world wars. Uh, father and great-grandfather, terrific chums, uh, contrived to enjoy the Second World War as well. Um, and uh, his father conveyed the impression that I was unlucky to have been born late to share the fun of playing against three quarters of an hour each way against the Germans with a brass band in between. Um, the consequence of childhood indoctrination was I spent a portion of my uh, 20s Uh, parachuting, riding the crest to run, attending other people's wars, and otherwise attempting to live up to my father's ludicrous idea of manhood. Uh, Thereafter, however, uh, I researched books about the history of war. I grew up an appreciation progressively dawned about the unredeemed enormity of war and its horror. So um, so, uh, Hastings uh, continues... I also came to understand that while physical courage is indispensable to soldiers, sailors and airmen, it is otherwise an overrated virtue. Many young men, almost as stupid as I was, uh, says Hastings, growing up and much more heroic are willing to perform suicidally brave actions. A wartime Coldstream Guards officer told me in his old age, there's almost no act of folly one will not commit at the age of twenty to win a military cross. Moral courage is far more valuable. Uh, and in in his experience women are more likely to possess it. He is thinking of his stepmother Hastings who died at the age of uh, uh, 56 without a word of complaint. Her last words to Hastings uh, was an instruction to remember and turn to turn off the central heating after her funeral. Um, Truth and moral courage are inseparable. No quality seems more worthy of a civilian Victoria Cross than a willingness to tell things like they are, however unpalatable. It is astonishing how many businesses, large and small uh, collapse because their bosses stubbornly refuse to admit the uh, 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 predicament to themselves, never mind other people. Um, But conversely, some people, especially in government, will go to amazing lengths to evade the admission of error or ignorance. This represents cowardice, which becomes more heinous in accordance with the gravity of the issues at stake. Yellow politicians do uh, quite as much harm as soldiers who run away from the uh, battlefield. It's much more difficult to be brave when one has become old and feeble when one is young and strong. But when um, Hastings' mother in the late 80s decided that she could not, uh, no longer manage her life in a Chelsea flat and prompted, she moved herself into a care home for the last decade in which she said repeatedly, I refuse to be a bother to anybody and, meant to me, and this, this was meant to Hastings. To me, this represented a courage such as many women possess and uh, rather fewer men. It shall uh, need such a spirit through our society in the years and months ahead rather than a new generation of Spitfire pilots." So it's been an awful week really. And when I saw Maggie the Corgi pick up a, a wee bottle of Smirnoff off the floor, uh, one of those sort of plastic shot, um, uh, you know, amounts of, uh, of Smirnoff vodka, I really, I really honestly thought she had developed a problem. Maybe she needed the man off to cope with the uh, the week we've just had. Um, but she did actually promise me, uh, you know, a dry January, um, and she would l- lay off the marrow bone for a while. So hopefully, um, I don't think he needs any sort of uh, rehab or, a, uh, you know, sort of um, marrow bone anonymous or uh, alcoholics anonymous. Um, but uh, but yeah, she's uh, she's she's back to. Uh, back to a normal self right now and uh, and just enjoying um beef knuckles at this point in time uh, everybody would please to say so tinto and a, da- a tin darling alfresco drinking gives canned wines a boost alfresco drinking during lockdown has seen uh, unophiles for go bottles in favor of tinned reds whites and roses drinking alcohol from a can in a park in the middle of winter uh, may have sounded wildly unappealing this time last year, perhaps it still does, but today there is uh, simply called socializing and it's a, been given a very middle class makeover. Sales of premium canned wines have risen dramatically as people have sought a way to drink fresco easily with friends and family during the lockdown. Uh, Waitrose uh, grocery store in UK said uh, canned wines are at 40% compared to this time in 2019. The Uncommon, a London-based brand of sparkling English wine sold in cans, says its sales have doubled despite outdoor concerts and festivals, where businesses were good, uh, were, were being cancelled. Its 250 milliliter cans sell for £5, about $7, the equivalent of a large glass of wine in supermarkets. But companies also sell half bottles in a can. That would be one hell of a can. I have heard about the gin and tonic in a can, but haven't seen it in the US yet. Um, that Could be a rather refreshing treat uh, come the summertime. So an egg a day keeps the doctor away, or is that an apple? I can can hardly remember him. Um, But I just want to, and again, I can't can't remember everything I say in the podcast. I say so much. Um, But I just want to sort of reveal and bring to you, the listener, my hatred of the sulfur-smelling, insidious, hard-boiled egg. I I just don't understand it. I know it's almost like a transatlantic divide we have here. It's uh, battles drawn here um, uh, across the Atlantic between the hard and soft-boiled eggs. But I I just don't understand boiling something to an inch of its life where you're losing the runny goodness of the yolk by doing this and it smells like a farty pair of underpants. I, I, I don't know why anybody would want to put that in their salad, let alone take it on a picnic and peel it and smell it and then it's on your breath unless you're carrying listerine with you for a mouthwash it's awful now i don't think the yolk when it's runny so you know you do a soft-boiled egg for about six minutes uh, cut up the soldiers that's toast cut into rectangles and dip it into the top of the egg it's absolutely delicious but it doesn't smell sulfur like it doesn't smell like a, a pair of sweaty rugby players you know shorts that they had a curry the night before it doesn't, you know, it's, it, this is the thing. The soft-boiled egg is the way to go, I think, people. Um, but another thing, if you're think, thinking about having a soft-boiled egg, well, how the bugger do you get um, the, 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 uh, the egg cups, the fine china egg cups? They're impossible to have. I've actually, in times in America, in desperate times, uh, used a vase or a vase, whatever you want to call it, and pop the egg in the top for my my soft boiled egg, but I can't find an egg cup for love nor money. Maybe in an antique store or something. Uh, but my uncle um, Colonel George, he had an egg every morning, and he had it soft boiled six minutes. He would time his toast perfectly, and, uh, and, and 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 you know, knock off lock off the top with the egg, and dip the soldiers in. You know, real military man soldiers, soldiers dip the egg, boiled well. There we go. Lovely shots today. And um, that's what he would do. So um, I, I, I do applaud hats off to the softboard egg. And as I said, it, it's not muskets at dawn, me versus the hardboard egg or anything like that. It's uh, it, the softboard egg is the way to go. I mean, my daughters have sworn by the softboard egg, the dippy egg they have loved since. Um, since they were born. And it's a very easy uh, lunch, dinner, tea, whatever you want to call it. I recommend the softball to you. Okay, so we have the top 10 historical metaphors for Brexit rated. Uh, There are upsides to leaving the EU, says historian Tom Holland. No more tortured analogies with Britain's most colourful past. Uh, Brexit was a historical decision uh, that both sides can agree. But the bitter disagreements between the Remainers and Leavers are not just about what Britain's future should be. They're also about how we understand our past and the tortured historical metaphors. Uh, We have number one the drowning of Doggerland in uh, 62,000 BC. Rising sea levels led to the flooding of the land bridge between Britain and the continent. The result was the first, easily most influ- influential Brexit. Um, then uh, number two, the Romans leave Britain. The Britons in the world of the contemporary historian threw off the control of Rome and sought to live their own lives independent of Roman laws. Uh, number three, the reign of King John. First, King John lost his d- uh, dynasty uh, holdings in France, then he got a spectacular bust up with the Pope, he defied papal supremacy, um, and then he uh, lost the Magna Carta. The uh, Reformation in the 16th century. The echoes have proved irresistible, uh, multitudes of commentators including Starkey, Ferguson, Duncan Smith, uh, Henry VIII's attempt to obtain a an annulment of his marriage to the Catherine of Aragon ended up uh, precipitating uh, England's divorce from the Catholic Church. Uh, and then uh, we had the um, uh, the considerable influence of left-wing Euro-skeptics from Michael Foote to Jeremy Corbyn. The establishment of the Republic of Britain and Ireland appalled the rest of Europe, was seen by Oliver Cromwell as noble and pursuant nation rousing herself like a strong man after sleep. The Seven Year War comes in at number six, a European conflict that led to Britain's becoming a global power. Despite what its opponents sometimes claim, Brexit was not motivated by a desire to restore the British Empire. Then again, despite what supporters sometimes claim, Brexit was sustained by the image of global Britain. Uh, The continental system, Napoleon's blockade against the British trade, comes in at seven. Splendid isolation, the heyday of Victorian self-confidence, its uh, influence endures to this day. Pretty much every British tradition uh, took on a familiar form in the Victorian period and Euroscepticism was no exception. Ireland leaves the UK in 1922. Uh, Erexit, it um, sounds like some sort of erectile dysfunction disorder, uh, happened despite warnings of economic and constitutional upheaval, and what it caused provoked a bitter civil war. And then Dunkirk. The British army retreats from the continent, enabling Britain to continue to fight against the Nazis. Um, Effications of this stirring movement at Dunkirk and Britain's record in the Second World War generally have sounded a constant drumbeat during Brexit. Uh, boris johnson uh, argued in 2016 that he was trying to create a super state um and uh, to show the blitz spirit um there we go there we go there these these brexit historical references and analogies are now going to be consigned to history okay so i have a a little bit of a problem <laughs> well lots of problems i, I guess but i am. Um, i'm i'm pretty flat-footed and when it comes to ice whether it's ice skating uh pirouetting on the ice or just walking on ice i have tremendous problems um these are huge balance issues that one has and um and i've been trying to uh you know basically uh find a way of getting some sort of grip on the ice um and it's uh I mean, I, I've tried the Wellington boots, but they just haven't had the traction or the, uh, the, uh, the basic hold on the ice here. I mean, I end up like slipping and skidding along like a constipated walrus on the ice. Uh, not like an elegant sugar, cup, sugar plum fairy. Uh, well, maybe lots of sugar and some plum, um, but uh, it's it, 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 it it a cause of embarrassment and bruised arms and bruised elbows when i tumble over and fearful dogs that now stand behind me instead of stand forward because they don't want to be fallen on um but i have discovered the wonders of the yak track these strap to the bottom of one's boots uh, so you've got a waterproof boot and then you have the yak tracks on and you know what i feel like Rudolf nereev i feel like um i'm in swan lake now i feel elegant i'm not actually pirating or anything on the ice i'm not doing torval and dean uh, or doing a Nureyev pirouette or anything like that but I have a solid footing now and I don't feel like I'm going to tumble over onto the frozen tundra and maybe call some sort of ice tsunami if that's even possible Uh, but yes strap these to your boots and it'll help you find the balance that you've always been looking for so it's come to my attention that we need more gardening podcasts it's very essential I think it's I think it's something that especially in these COVID times, one can retreat to the greenhouse or the potting shed and, uh, and, and, and maybe record a podcast on how to improve one's gardening. Um, so we, we would like to introduce uh, to you, the listener, um, It's podding in the potting shed. there, it, it's uh yeah, it's percy here, and uh, we're gonna be uh, we're, we've got our new little uh podding uh, situation here in the in the potting shed and, uh, and and i'm gonna be talking about today yeah uh, how to save uh, a waterlogged uh, lawn uh, after heavy rainfall uh, lots of gardens are suffering um it doesn't seem to take five minutes since we're enjoying a glorious sunny autumn but now there are gardens standing in puddles and even worse. Well, the good news is your garden is looking sad and waterlogged, there's things you can do to help. In terms of quick fixes or a rescue job, uh, if there's water standing on the border or the lawn, the best thing you can do to keep it off altogether, your weight will come to compress the soil and close up those tiny little life pockets that are full of water and uh, left unsquashed will automatically refill with air and the water will subside. On the lawn you can you can use unwanted soles will smear the surface creating a semi impermeable surface like the skin of a custard. What you can do for now though as an opportunity rises is to channel the water away for the collection points. The gully between the lawns and the border that ring around the base of the tree. Anything that gets the plant's roots out of the standing water. I well, just wanted to introduce you uh, to some new plants that uh, could be pretty big this season. Um, one of them's called the stiff cock. Uh, coincidentally, this uh, strong-smelling plant is a strong-smelling levering leaf that's used to make tea. It's also claimed to be an herbal form of Viagra, whatever that is. Uh, the Latin name is uh, Deflopthus cracinesis anyway i hope i have uh, secured your uh, problem in there uh, with a waterlogged or uh, very moist lawn you don't want to get in too wet um but i'll be back next week um but i do hate when my bay leaves and i i, I need, need to go away now to get some peas and uh and quiet so i think dog training probably is an order uh, for all my hounds you know maggie's picking up wee bottles of smirnoff uh, when maybe I need to train her to uh, bring me, uh, you know, a fine uh, bottle of cognac or something like a St. Bernard. Um, but uh, today uh, somebody is hoisting aloft the American flag. They obviously put it inside in the morning, but they're hoisting it aloft. And uh, my border collie George uh, started barking aggressively as the flag was being hoisted. So, I, I mean, I'm certainly worried about uh, probably being deported at this point, uh, which would not be a good thing. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I, the border collie grew up and originates from the uh, highlands of Scotland. Now, uh, if I could train George to bring me a bottle of uh, uh, Glen Morangi uh, or Macallans, uh, that would be a rather good than round a neck or something. I know that the St. Berners do bring the cognac, um, but uh, I, I would love a you know, dog to bring me a nip of scotch now and again uh, rather than barking when the American flag's being erected. Okay, so we have another uh, Trump or trombone session. We take some of the most uh, heinous headline crimes of the week and we equate it to the rather sad trombone or uh, somebody uh, trumping or breaking wind uh, like the Trump baby there. Um, so anyway, first up uh, on the oki uh, this week we, uh, we do have uh, Pensioner reveals how she wraps her Christmas tree in cling film with all the decorations still on it um so th- this is a you know rather interesting piece of news uh Lorene mcdougall wraps her christmas tree in cling film every year to pack away the tree she keeps the decorations on and stores it in her garage pensioner from uh, new biggin uh, by the sea in northumberland uh, began this uh, trick four years ago a pensioner revealed a stressory secret for taking down the christmas tree she leaves all the decorations on all the decorations are 80 pounds B&Q. the fake fir tree includes the baubles that are left on when the tree is wrapped up the cling film tree is then put in the garage for another 11 months uh, and uh, Lorreen has been tidying a tree using this method for the last four years um, so uh, putting the tree away it saves Lorene plenty of time each year uh, and it's an ingenious hack it started when she moved one house in November, uh, December and she uh, wanted to move a tree into the new home. Uh, So she she cling filmed the tree um, and uh, and, and kept all the baubles basically in place. But I'm just wondering if one could cling film oneself at the ideal body weight and stay in the basement with one's most successful outfit. Um, uh, But I might be concerned if it's a tightly wrapped cling film about crushed baubles and severe sweating. And next we have the woman who married the Eiffel Tower wants to set the record straight about her sexuality. Ridiculed and rejected, the woman who married the Eiffel Tower explains what it means to live with the uh, objectum sexuality after many people fail to understand what it it even means. For a large part of her life, Erica Labrie's sexual orientation has met with uh, universal ridicule and disgust. Uh, She has the inclination to develop significant relationship with inanimate objects. In 2007, she changed her surname to Ethel after a a commitment ceremony to a partner of 10 years, the iconic uh, Eiffel Tower. Everyone has a type they're drawn to. This includes people who like phallic objects. I find my type is an object that's misunderstood around the world. The Eiffel Tower is surrounded by millions of tourists who are in love with her, uh, but not in the way that I am. A year after uh, the wedding, the documentary, Married to the Eiffel Tower, exploded online uh, and uh, audiences were fascinated by the wrong reasons. Numbers suggest that uh, most have no idea about this cross-section of, uh, of society. Um, I'm just wondering, well, let's hope that she doesn't decide to give up the building Beckett to have an affair with Big Ben. She might be disappointed uh, because the phallic clock tower is having erectile dysfunction at the moment, with scaffolding keeping it up, uh, suffering uh, suffering the sad issues that uh, every 300 year old men often have. Neighbours become unexpected pen pals thanks to the postcat who delivers their post. Billy, a one-year-old uh, short-haired cat, has exchanged around 10 handwritten letters between the owner Zach King and their neighbour since they started uh, paying them a visit. The smart cat has been assigned the role of postcat for the neighbors, owners and neighbours, keeping everybody socially distanced. Um, Zack Hack uh, from Hackney, uh, East London, returned home one day to find his one-year-old feline Billy with an unexpected note attached to its collar, informing him, informing him that he'd been paying uh, the neighbors re- frequent visits. Um, his girlfriend, 29-year-old Olga, replied to the sweet surprise note back in September and they'd become pen pals, and an unexpected relationship that Zack said uh, had been the highlight of the coronavirus lockdown. But perfect social distance, cat, go-between. It could be exchanging love notes. You could stick a post-it note to the cat's back. That could be an easier way. He has to be careful, though, because cats can be uh, mischievous and deliver the, uh, uh, the feline uh, notes to uh, maybe uh, Dave the hairy biker instead of the girl that he wants to send the note to. Um, but the social distance pussy spy going under the COVID enemy lines to get the message out has to be commended. Uh, Police uh, reported severed foot was a mannequin part. Canadian police officer investigating a witness report of a severed foot at the side of the road made a considerably less alarming discovery. It was actually a discarded mannequin's foot. Um, I guess uh, you could say that she was footloose and fancy free. Uh, But where's Kevin Bacon when you need him? A Nova Scotia kite surfer finds message in a bottle with a diamond ring. A Nova Scotia man who went on a hunt for some lost kite surfing equipment made an unexpected discovery. A message in a bottle accompanied by a diamond ring. Um, in this case, um, you know, I, I think you could probably say they continue to look for the long-lost uh, police lyrics message in a bottle. Just imagine how perturbed the groom would have been, though, after losing the ring. Uh, did he have to replace the diamond ring with a skull and crossbones ring instead? Or maybe, perhaps it was a Disney-obsessed sort of chap trying to propose to Ariel under the Thaverns. <coughs> and uh, finally, mysterious New York City squirrel attacks are on the rise in the Queens neighborhood, reports said. Multiple attacks have been reported in Rigo Park, according to the local news affiliate. The Singh family from Rigo Park told Fox that their neighborhood has been experiencing around 20 unprovoked squirrel attacks since Thanksgiving. Um, in this case, uh, I, I wonder, um, you know, I wonder if these uh, these naughty little uh, squirrels uh, could uh, could be relocated to the Trump Tower, uh, maybe giving them a taste for Proud Boys, uh, but then I guess squirrels wouldn't be able to stomach that rotten meat. So on the podcast, I've, uh, I've really given my sort of lament about trying to find gloves that you can actually swipe on your smartphone with, uh, so you can actually use your smartphone, because none of the fingerprint pads on these gloves ever bloody work Uh, i've tried probably three of them and none of them work you know you get your glove on you open up your phone and the fingerprint thing doesn't work you can't move uh, or scroll or anything it just does not work so rather than buying gloves at this time of year a lot of people are discarding and losing gloves on walks i'm actually now collecting uh, lost property gloves on walks and seeing if the finger pointer works when it comes to using one cell phone, um, to see if they actually have a good swiping thing. I do wash them, of course, first. I boil wash them, um, but uh, but I am feeling like uh, more like the one glove bandit these days, or maybe the uh, dandy hairyman, um, or Hannibal from the A team who used a one wear one black leather glove. Um, but uh, I almost feel like with the sort of dandy highwayman of taking one's glove off and striking some cad with a velvety finger fashion. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As I said, I'm going to try to squeeze two of these buoys in every week, um, and we'll we'll see if that that works. See if I have the uh, stammer enough tea to keep me awake to do the podcast here. But anyway, at keep cheese on Twitter. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Uh, across all the uh, normal platforms, Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio and all of them. Um, but uh, we finish another sort of New Year positive poem. Brush away old heartaches, learn from our mistakes. Another year is finally over A new dawn awakes. Let out the old year, welcome in the new one, bury the bad things of the past as a new year begins. Make your New Year wishes as simple as they can. Pray for peace and love, not for wealth or fame. Pray for health and happiness. Pray for your fellow man. Pray for the ones you love. Pray for the ones who've lost their way. As the midnight hour chimes, we leave the old and embrace the new. I wish the things you wish for yourself. And I hope love will stay with you. Thank you for listening to the podcast these last couple of days. I will see you again uh, next week, same place, uh, same time hopefully, um, and uh, it's 2 uh, for now.